You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. As many of you know, most of us here at the Master Photography Podcast are huge fans of Squarespace, and that's because they make it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling prints or products of any kind. With beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support is there to help. So head on over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, host for this episode, and joining me in the roundtable is Erica and Brian. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey. Hey. Are we having fun? We are. <laughs> we miss you. We wish you were with us. Yeah. yeah. Brian and I are actually sitting side by side. It's one of those rare side by side recordings, except for me, who's all the way over in Utah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's the reason why. All right. I lost a bet in China <laughs> to a woman married to a Puerto Rican. Ah. <laughs> That's globalization so, for you. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but we made a, we went actually, and we were in an Irish restaurant. We were. Yeah. Watching soccer. Football. Football. Yeah. By two international teams, I think, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And we, you know, being that I live in Indianapolis area and she's in Columbus, Ohio, uh, three hours apart, we just said we needed to see each other more. And so we made a bet. And the bet was uh, just we each picked a random team. <laughs> and whoever lost had to buy dinner for the others. Nice. But but that was officially before in Antonio. Well, he was with us, but he hadn't proposed yet. He proposed right. like a few so days after that. I shouldn't have to pay for his part of the dinner. No, you shouldn't really so have to do you that. dinner. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing he's outside right now or else he'd be complaining. Yeah, right. <laughs> So I am on my way up to uh, Canton, Ohio for some NFL Hall of Fame stuff and thought I'd swing by and pay up on the bed and take him out to dinner. He says that so casually. Yeah, just on the way to the Hall of Fame. I'm going to go do some (laughs) photography at the NFL Hall of Fame. Right. No big deal. It's just Brian's life. (laughs) (laughs) It just became official like 26 hours ago. I found out yesterday that it was going to happen, so... That's yeah. very cool. He sent me the message last night, like, hey, about that dinner. Also, <laughs> and you do were you like, have an extra dinner? couch I can sleep on? <laughs> nice. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm glad you guys are, are joining me today. Uh, let's, let's get into our first topic. Let's, let's go talk about this. Yeah. So um, we have had a ton of activity on a thread in the Facebook group. And it, it's, it's what I love about our Facebook group. We have a community of people who are all working together to master their photography and it's really fun and so we had a thread we had someone post saying they were interested or they think they're interested in getting into headshots and so they wanted to know what's kind of the minimum gear what's they're not sure they want to do this for a a career exactly they just kind of want to dip their toes in so what's kind of the the inexpensive but good enough to produce 
good results, professional results, uh, gear so that they can do it. And um, since I know both of you have done a lot of headshots, um, I wanted to give you kind of a, a chance to, to tell us what your recommendation is for that entry, just kind of barely get it done sort of gear list of what you would do. And I don't want to include flashes. We've talked a lot about young new flashes and other flashes. So, you know, th- that's a, a separate thing. I, I don't want to include that in this, but the other things that you're going to need to do headshots. So maybe Erica, we could start with you. Tell me what you would do. What, what advice would you give them about someone that's just wanting to get into headshots and, and wants to make a minimum investment? Yeah. So, Flashes obviously are really important to headshots, but I think aside from that, the two things that you really should focus on are one, a good portrait lens and two, a reflector. Um, If you have a reflector that will help you create some fill light, it'll allow you to get away with using less flashes or fewer flashes. So if you only have one flash, you can use a reflector to kind of fill in the light on the other side. Um, And my advice is to choose a five-in-one reflector so that you have a variety of options to work with. So a five-in-one reflector has an outer layer that you can zip off and turn inside out. And each side of, of each layer is a different color. So there's a, there's a black side, there's a silver side, a gold side, Um, there's a diffusion panel on the inside. So if you just need to diffuse some light, you can use that. So it gives you a lot of different options to be able to work with. Um, so reflector for sure, whether you're shooting inside, outside, whatever. And there's one, I'm just quickly looking out on Amazon just so we provide links. If people are interested in going, getting one, a reflector, Erica, would you say brand name matters? Mm, No, not so much. I mean, there's expensive ones. There's cheap ones. Really, they all really do the same thing. In my experience, I've never really had one that was like worse than another one or better than another one. So yeah. you could go the cheap route and be fine. It just might be a matter of quality and how long they last. Sure. Uh, which, you know, is is a big deal for some people, but it's not end all be all. It's not like you're investing thousands of dollars in a reflector. So you know, you expect it to last forever. <laughs> right, right. Most of them are kind of collapsible too. You can sort of uh, exactly. m- mesh them, mush them together and make the, what's kind of a bigger circle into a smaller circle. There's some that can be mm-hmm. like oblong shaped. And um, so the one I'm looking at right now, it's from E-Tech City. Like I said, brand name doesn't matter. So it's a 24 inch five in one portable collapsible and they have a whole bunch of other stuff on the title of it, but it's 12 bucks. So that's a pretty good minimum investment right there for, for part of that. Now, what about the lenses? So having a good portrait lens, I think is really going to, aside from flashes, really going to be the the most significant factor in, in having a quality photograph or quality headshot, you need to make sure that you have a lens that's going to produce a nice photo. So the most popular portrait lenses or headshot lenses really are 50 millimeters, 85 millimeters, and the 70 to 200 millimeter, primarily because they they don't have any distortion. If you go a little, if you go wider, if you do a 35 or a 16 to 35, you get really distorted images and you'll have, you know, heads that look unnaturally larger than the rest of the body. Um, So you want to avoid any of the lenses that have distortion. Um, But also those three lenses that I mentioned have really great bokeh as well. So it allows you to have really nice compression. It allows the 
the subject to, to be nice and sharp with the background nice and blurry with the bokeh. Um, so they, they photograph really nice, and that's really why they're the their main, the go-to lenses for, for headshot photographers. Yeah, so if someone's going to just get in this in minimum investment and they only have maybe a kit lens, it's probably not, one of those could kind of work, but you, it's worth the investment to go maybe at least with the 50, because you can get some for yeah. 100 bucks can get you a 50 millimeter lens that's uh, got some good bokeh, a little bit of higher image quality than you'll get out of a kit lens. Right. Um, yeah, you can buy, they call them a nifty 50. Yeah. They're 50 millimeter 1.8, right. which is good enough. They produce nice photos. So, um, and those are really cheap. Like you said, a hundred bucks, maybe 200 bucks. You don't have to spend a ton on those. The 85 and the 7200, both of those lenses are quite a bit more expensive, like a lot more expensive. Right. Um, but there's a reason why they, they are beautiful lenses. They create beautiful photos. So, um, but you can get away with a cheap 50 millimeter 1.8 as well. Yeah. Uh, young new even has a, a 50 millimeter lens. I've not actually used it myself, but it's only 45 bucks. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, totally it's manual, manual focus, you know, no frills, uh, kind of lens. So not, not ideal. It'd be better with the Canon one, I think. But anyway, yeah, if, I think manual focus is, I would maybe try to avoid that, yeah. especially if you're just <laughs> For starting. portraits. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a headshot. So it's going to be close up. You're going to be able to tell if the eyes aren't in focus, right. if the face isn't in focus, it's going to be a lot more obvious than if it's, you know, a further away photo, further away crop. So I definitely avoid the manual focus. Okay, so there's those two things. Then you got your reflector and the lens. But how are you going to get the reflector like held up behind them? And is that where you're going to put it? You're going to put the reflector behind the subject? No. Um, Well, you can. I mean, you could use the reflector as a backdrop. I've I've done that before, and I know a lot of people who use reflector as a backdrop. Typically, the way that I use a reflector is just to cre- to have some fill light to okay. fill in maybe like the inset of the eyeballs or underneath the nose, underneath the chin. So it's not so dark. Um, my personal preference for lighting is usually at 45 degrees and then kind of up and over them angled down a bit. So you get some shadows underneath the nose and in the eye sockets underneath the chin and just putting that reflector basically opposite of your light will just fill that in nicely. It won't fill it in completely so that it looks flat. It'll just get rid of some of the shadow there. Um, so it, it allows you to still have a directional light, but not such harsh shadows. Okay. So you're, and, and then for the background, just, just find a, a wall or something like that to, to use as the background. Is that what? Yes. It really just depends on who you're shooting and, and why, why you're photographing them. Right. You know, some people need the plain back, black or gray or blue uh, backdrop, and you, you know, can buy a cheap backdrop for that. Some people want more of an environmental headshot, so you're shooting them maybe right. in their office or their studio or whatever. Right. And some people want it outdoors to look very natural. You can have trees, brick walls, whatever. So, you you know, it's really important to talk to your, your client about what they <laughs> First of all, what they're going to use the photo for. And second of all, who are they? Um, You know, are they a professional? Are they an artist? Are they just wanting headshots for Tinder? You know, what what are they doing with these photos? And how can you best represent that use um, with the backdrop? Okay. All right. So we're kind of headed to the technique and I want to hang on for a second on that. So let's go. Brian, how about you? What would you add on like gear recommendations? So what, what would you say for the gear? 
I would say that I am not a master of headshots. I usually do just a handful each year. Um, I mean, almost when you shoot a wedding, you're kind of doing a headshot of the bride and the groom yeah, and yeah. so forth. But uh, I mean, to me, really, just the camera and you know, using the sun and paying attention to how the sun bounces off of things and just the different reflections that you can get. Uh, I mean, when you're talking about the minimum, to me, that's the minimum. But, you know, when you've got the sun, you, you can move the people around and looking at the walls that are around you, or even if you're on the streets, a lot of times, if the sun's bouncing off the building across the street, that gives a nice light coming uh, on the person. Uh, as far as reflectors go, I know some people have just used a simple like car shade and things that you use to kind of block the sun. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. make those that are white, and so people can use those as reflectors. I've heard of people having their assistants um, intentionally wearing like white clothes, like white shirts, ah, yeah. and kind of just standing next to the person if they're holding maybe um, like a reflector over the person to kind of help provide shade in a way. Just the reflection on even the white shirt can, can help. For me personally, the minimum now other than my camera is one flash. But I know that you wanted to avoid seeing flash. <laughs> well, just because we've covered it a lot. Flash is a given. I think to do headshots well, uh, no matter kind of if they want the background or not or what the background's going to look like, you're going to need flash. Um, you could probably try to do something at the right time of day and you leverage the sun to do it and, and kind of use ambient light or the right uh, window shade, potentially something like that. But it's, it, the flash is going to make it a little easier, I think to, to get going. And it's something to learn. If you, if you have any intentions of being a portrait photographer, you just need to learn it. So don't let that, it, it sound may sound scary if no, if they've never done it, we've said this before on the, on the podcast, but uh, I've figured it out a bit. If I can figure it out, <laughs> anybody can figure it out. It's uh, it's not that scary or that hard. Um, I guess it would, I, sh- I should have prefaced that. I think in the Facebook thread, he was very specifically asking about a backdrop. So um, so that was going to be kind of where I was going to go. And I was thinking, Erica, that was what you were thinking with the reflector was use that as a backdrop. And you certainly could, right? You can. Yep. Yeah. And five in one, that means you got a lot of choices. You got lots of different yeah. colors there. <laughs> Uh, I would guess some of them aren't like the orange shiny one. <laughs> I wouldn't want to use yeah. that in a, in a portrait. Probably don't backdrop. use that. Yeah. We actually, I have created a pretty cool headshot with, with the gold side of the uh-huh. reflector. Okay. I lit it with a couple of different lights, very kind of dramatically. The lights had grids on it. So it had like just kind of cool stripes of gold in the background. It was, it was interesting. And it would have Turned some, out pretty nice. some interesting bokeh that way. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that would, that would be pretty cool. Um, so the advice that I initially responded with, I'm the, the backdrops I'm using, it's set up for way more than just headshots. It's full body and I do like team photos through it. And so I have this, uh, impact, uh, backdrop stand that's like 12 feet wide and the muslin that I hang on it. And that was initially what I said, um, in the post. And then I started thinking like, no, that minimum investment, that's, that stuff's, I mean, it's as inexpensive and yet still high enough quality as I could find. So it's it's a good recommendation if that's the kind of thing you're after. But the minimum for me would be something more like uh, I thought. Well, maybe C stand and a pop up so that you could because they have these like these like five by seven pop up 
backdrops. Um, and usually there's like two sides to them. So you have two different colors to use. The majority that I saw as I was looking on Amazon for links was black and white, which are okay. Those, those give you some choices and some options, but gray, it seems more versatile to me as a backdrop yeah, color. And mm-hmm. so I, I searched, I found one that's, uh, that's out there again, brand name on that probably doesn't matter a lot on this collapsible kind of backdrops. They're, they're not that big a deal, but there was a one from a, a company I, I liked other gear from it's photo and uh, so this was a five by seven collapsible it's it's about 80 bucks so not super cheap it's still some investment there about 80 bucks though and uh, and then the c-stand there was one from newer I don't know how you say n-e-e-w-e-r that um, was like 112 but I cannot recommend those stands Uh, I have gone through multiple newer branded stands because they're so (sighs) inexpensive but they just don't last like at all yeah what you pay for you do and so when you you know they have the clamps they're retractable of course the collapsible stands and so you know you put them up and the first few times it's fine they clap right down and they stay up and they they hold up your lights or or your your backdrop in this case but it wasn't very long before those clamps just broke and they didn't keep anything up anymore so i i don't buy any newer branded stands of anything uh they just aren't aren't made good enough even for the occasional hobbyist use it's not it's just money you're throwing away money so Mm -hmm. uh, i go to impact as the next least expensive option then there's other stuff that's way higher quality than that even the impact stuff is pretty good it's decent it's not i don't think professional level gear but it's working for me as a hobbyist that only does it a a rare occasion uh so i like those um but even better was uh there's kind of two pieces that go together from a company they had they were called fovatech studio pro so same kind of five by seven thing this one was gray and blue so that was what and attracted me to this one is the only one I could find that had gray on Amazon. Anyway, there's, I'm sure B and H or some other places you could find them. And then to go with it, they have a Fovitech studio pro pop-out stand and reflector clips. So you, what this thing does is when you ex- expand the stand at the bottom and, and the top are kind of some, some holders, some little clips that you would put that backdrop into. And uh, so it's going to stretch, it's going to hold the backdrop in place so that you can have it stand up there and do it. And uh, so together you're about 86 bucks to get the two of them. And uh, so that seems like a fairly decent setup. I don't personally have personal experience with this one itself, but it looks like a good option. It's one that I would opt for if I didn't have anything and, and give a try. So there's uh, there's the recommendation that I was going to give. All right. We talked about some gear. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in yeah. and I'm just going to make a random comment. Okay. I don't like doing headshots. <laughs> I'm, I know like they can pay well and I still do them and I probably will still do them, but I, I often feel that they're more so than not like cheesy looking or very boring. <laughs> of course they are. Yes. Just cause like, yeah, you easily could just take what you just described for the backdrop to any location and you're going to get the same look that you yep. get no yep. matter where you're at. And that's maybe right. that's a good thing. Cause that's kind of the ease of it. And I, I had somebody this past week email me. She wanted to do a headshot because she's got a new book that's coming out that she wants to use it on. And she asked me, you know, what kind of backdrops do I use? And I said, honestly, I just do things on location. You know, it's usually pretty simple. Just find a plain wall somewhere Uh and just go from there. 
but I just don't like it. <laughs> it's not the fun kind of photography. It's like uh, like Jim used to always say to me, though, the mountain, it doesn't pay you to take its picture. Or, <laughs> or you know, it's the people who pay you to take pictures. So, um, yeah. so you, you do what comes your way. Um, you know, for me, the, well, and let's head into the technique stuff. Cause we kind of, I wanted to walk through how you got the jobs to do headshots. Cause I, I kind of think that's the next step for this thread that was going on was this minimum investment. And then kind of the follow up would be, okay, now that I have it, maybe they've done some practice on their family or friends or something. Now that I've done that, how do I get jobs doing this? How do I have people pay me to take their headshots? So let's get into that in a second. But I wanted to first talk about like just straight out technique. And Erica, you started getting into it a little bit. But um, I wanted to ask Brian first on his technique. So Brian, as you are going, you're going on on location, like you said, you don't you're not bringing your backdrops with you, you're just going to find a place. Walk me through the process of what you do. Like when you get there, how you're talking with the customer, how you pick where to go, what your camera settings are going to be, how you're going to set them up with light, uh, the technique that you're going to go through. Okay. So I just had somebody contact me saying um, he's a builder and they needed, uh, they needed new headshots for their website that they have. Right, right. And there was probably about six people on the list and they sent me this link and said, um, this is kind of what we're looking for. And, and it was like another business just showing their headshots and they're going to all be full body shots. So I looked at them and I was studying kind of the lighting thinking they liked, you know, the shadows and where the flash was and thinking about the different angles they were coming from. And so when I got together with the client, the first thing I just asked is what is it about those images that you liked just to uh. kind of get an idea? And he wasn't even noticing the lighting, which I thought right. was interesting. He just was paying attention to the fact that they were full body shots and they were in the environment that kind of fits their job field. So immediately I'm like, okay, that makes it easy. So whatever I do lighting wise isn't going to bother them. Right. And so as each person came, uh, we had scheduled just like 20 minutes per person. And when each person came, I immediately uh, ask them what is their role with the company? Because as a builder, you know, you've got a lot of different roles. So one guy was, was in charge of the different wood, um, you know, beautiful, like wood patterns, like designs and stuff that would be on the walls of these commercial buildings. Uh, another person was the attorney that they had. Somebody else kept the books. Um, some of the other people, you know, everyone just kind of had a different job. So I wanted to find what fit them. And so I wanted to know more about their role and their responsibility. And we were kind of on a construction site that was half finished and half not. And so depending on the person and what their role was, depending on where I would put them. So I kind of scoped things out ahead of time for a half hour just to get some different ideas. Uh, the guy that was in charge of the wood, I knew immediately where I wanted to put him because there was this beautiful wooden wall. Uh, there was another person who uh, designed like this building. And so there was a sidewalk right in front of it. So we did a simple headshot of him standing on the sidewalk. Uh, I don't know if, if I'm really answering your question. No, you, you, you are. don't like doing that. That's different. <laughs> he sounds so good. I don't at like it. doing that. So, okay. So then we also found a blank wall just to get a typical tight headshot of them. And it was next to the fire alarms and the exit signs. And it just, that part was, that part was boring. 
Okay. But um, I also knew I was just using one light because when I looked at the website that they had sent me that they liked, all the images, the lighting kind of was just coming from one direction, not much of a fill at all. And so what I wanted to do, though, was I tried to use some natural light on the side that was going to be the fill and then had the flash on the opposite side. Gotcha. And how, like, how far away from the wall were you positioning them? Uh, when we did the cheesy headshots, they were probably about three feet away from the wall just to try to um, kind of help the shadow to drop or not be like in the actual photo. Yeah. There's an angle that I had the light, which is a great point to it, obviously. Cause I have done, I've done it, you know, my initial approaches to this, I, I didn't know to look for that. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's awful. When you look at the picture and post, you're like, look at that shadow on the wall. It's so mm-hmm. distracting. It's, uh, it, it just makes it look like a snapshot now instead of a professional photo. It stands right out. And then I've tried all kinds of things to try to like clone it out and try to, uh, maybe even just raise the exposure on just the part that's the shadow. And I could never really really be super happy with it i got it good enough but uh it's much better to not have the shadow so the long shadow on the wall you could just put a light behind them and have a light you know flash and go off but if you just pull them away from the wall then that does it for you for the most part and blurs the wall out a little bit too if you get them away from the wall then now now you have the wall that's not in perfect focus and that helps draw attention to the person instead of the background even though you wanted to kind of get the background because it, it's applicable in this environmental shoot, uh, that, that helps there too. So I like that. Um, okay, good. So, so you had that. Um, that anything else you wanted to add there, Ryan, before we let Erica take a swing at it? Yeah. Paying attention to um, when you shoot men, it's typically different than when you shoot women. To women, you tend to look better in the photos when you're kind of shooting down on them compared to with a man. If you're down low, kind of shooting up. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Erica. Uh, I'm not the poser. Well, I mean, I'm a poser, but not good at posing people. Uh, that was just the other tip, really. And, you know, just paying attention to, I guess, what they're wearing. Uh, there was this really cool fireplace that we wanted to use, but it was um, kind of framed by all this, like, shiny black. And so a flash was going to go off and kind of reflect off it a little bit. And one of the women was um, wearing like an all black dress. And so it just wouldn't create much separation. So just paying attention to that. Okay. All right, Erica, how about uh, you you started to go into like the light and then a fill from the reflector and where you're putting the reflector. So let's get into that. Tell me how you're setting that up. Well, if I'm just doing one light and a reflector, um, you want to think of it almost like clamshell lighting. So clamshell lighting is almost exactly what the, the term says, a clamshell. So one on either side, whether you have them on top, the light on top and the reflector on the bottom or the light on the right and the reflector on the left. Think of it as as a clamshell, how the clamshell opens up. Um, and how do you decide, Erica, between the right light on the right or light on the left? Really, it it is not a huge difference. Um, I tend to go with the light on my right 
just it feels more natural to me for some reason. Sometimes if I have a person tell me like, oh, this this is my good side or this is my <laughs> bad side or whatever, I'll flip it over to the other side. But for whatever reason, I just feel more natural, more comfortable with it on my right, which would typically be their left. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. then how the person is posing? Well, yeah, you're going to, you know, you need to, depending on the look you're going for, you need to position them either toward the light, which typically for females, you want them to be, facing the light males you can get away more often with them facing away from the light um so you have to also take into consideration who you're photographing what their facial features look like you know how how big they are or how small they are if they have a lot of wrinkles how how inset their eyes are because that's really going to affect the position of your light would you just wearing glasses yeah Yeah, that's that's true to Mm -hmm. avoid the reflection what um would you just take both maybe so that they can pick? Yeah, sometimes I do that. So it really depends on the environment too. So if I'm doing just like a typical in-studio headshot up against a backdrop, I'll move the light around a lot more uh-huh. um, and, and give them both options because sometimes they they like it on the other side when I really liked it on, on the right side. Um, but if I'm in an environment and I have to set my lights up specifically for that environment, for a particular shot or because I'm working with also natural light, I'm combining natural and artificial light or whatever, for whatever reason, if I have to have it in a, in a particular place, then no, they just, they just get what I give them. (laughs) Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So especially if you have to do a bunch of, if you get 200 people to take headshots of, you can't, exactly. you can't do two per person or anything. Mm -hmm. you got to just get the one. I will say that one thing I always do, especially with, doing headshots for women is I will ask them at the very beginning what side they consider to be their good side. Yeah, I do. Just because if you don't, then I feel like a lot of women will have no problem telling you that saying, Hey, you know, this is my good side. Can I, can we switch this way? And so I just like to start from the beginning with them feeling confident and good about like which side we're using, which it tends to be for women usually kind of where their hair is like parted mm-hmm. and, and separates. I, I love that. I, I like how, Brian, you said you, you engage with them too and talk with them. And uh, it reminds me of a, an episode I did with Levi Sim a little while ago <clears throat> where uh, Levi went through how he he has this insane ability to get people to be so natural in photos. They, uh, they love his portraits because he can capture them. And uh, he creates photos that are them in their very natural kinds of faces and poses. And, and it's because of how he works the relationship. So how, very similar to how you were describing it, Brian. I'll put a link in the show notes to that podcast episode if people are interested. Because he went through kind of his approach of how he's doing it. And he's doing the same thing. He's, he's talking to them. Part of what he does is every person, even if he's doing a whole bunch of headshots, and he does a lot of corporate headshots, he... Um, on the way, he says, now, what I'm, I, I need you to do this and this and this. And he, and he says, and what it means is, and he demonstrates for him right there how to do it. And it's, it's just great. So you, it, you'll want to check that out. I don't want to spend any more time on it here because we have a, lot, a couple more things we want to get through. But um, that, that's a really big, important part of it and something I'm terrible at. <laughs> really bad at, at doing that. So it's why I have my wife come because she's really good at it. So uh, I worry about the camera settings and the light positioning and the power of everything and what's going on. And she takes care of getting the people so that they're nice and comfortable and, and we're getting what they want. So it works out really well for us to do that. 
Um, okay, so before we move to our last topic, the one other thing I wanted to ask both of you is how are you getting your jobs? How did you get paid shoots to do headshots? Uh, people, you know, now they've got the gear and we've talked about some of the technique. Now, how do you go and, and get paying clients? So, uh, Brian, let's start with you. Hmm. I think for me, a lot of it's just obviously word of mouth, you know, being one of the most important things. But I think one of the best things you can do, especially starting out in the beginning, is just doing headshots for free. And I think that I find a lot of value in doing headshots in your community, whether it's, you know, going to your downtown area and go into the butcher shop or go into the library or a clothing or jewelry place and just offer to do a quick headshot for free of the owner or whoever and just say, you know, I'm just working on getting my name out there a little bit. I'd love to do a headshot for you. You know, a five minute headshot, something quick and easy. You're welcome to use it however you want and just give it to them. And I think if you do that to enough places, hopefully you'll impress a few and they'll contact you and maybe that will lead to other business. I know for me, that kind of concept of doing something for free intentionally has led to other business. I love it. As one of the ideas that I had, and I, I'm not seeking after this kind of stuff. I, I do this for fun. And so I, I choose which stuff I want to do. And like you, Brian, this is my most entertaining kind of thing. So I don't, I'm not trying to drum up headshot business, but, um, there's one of the ways that I have seen success and, and I mainly did it just as a favor to people. Everyone needs social media headshots. Now <laughs> we, we have Facebook and Instagram. Everyone's got, you've got to have your own profile picture. And, uh, I've had lots of people like, Oh, you do photography. Would you take a cool picture of me that I can put on Instagram or put on Facebook? And, and because they're a friend, I'll say, yeah, come on over. We'll, we'll set it up. And, and then I end up having fun with them because it's a friend of mine and, and we have a fun time taking a photo shoot and even like playing around with some stuff and say, let's get you a few and let's play with some lighting and it's fun. So, um, so I, I kind of liked that, that approach and, and then word of mouth spreads and it's, it's led to a few paid things and, and it was a good enough opportunity. I have accepted a few jobs to to do that so it's it's worked mildly i wouldn't say it's drummed up so much success i can quit my job and i'm going to go do headshots now when i wouldn't want to so um, but erica <laughs> erica what about you how are how do you drum up the business i well currently i do about 100 headshots a year and most of those come in because of seo I do get a lot of word of mouth referrals. So like what you guys were just talking about it, I get that too. Um, but I think most of the people who have probably within the past year or so reached out about headshots, uh, they found me through Google searching. So they, you know, would just type in, I don't know, Columbus headshot photographer or something like that in, in Google. And my studio website is one of the first to pop up for that keyword for those keywords. Um, so SEO has really been super helpful for us in building up our headshot side of things. Um, and unlike you two, I actually really enjoy headshots. I enjoy the creative <laughs> ones, not so much just the, the gray backdrop ones, but, uh, it's, it's been something that we've invested a lot of time and energy into building up SEO for, because we do enjoy the creative 
headshots that we get to do a lot. And I would say I, I agree with you, Eric. When it's creative, it's really fun. I, my funnest ones have been with my oldest son. And he's a, he's a senior in high school this next year. And so he's got this real serious, like fashion sense now of what his thing is. And he mm-hmm. has these complete pictures in his head of what he wants. And most of the time he's like, dad, I want a new, I want to do something new on my Instagram profile. Here's what I'm thinking. Can we do that? And it's so much fun to like figure out how to get that, make it happen, how to get that vision out of his head and make it happen. And like the smile that gets on his face as we're doing it. And oh, it's, it's really, that's, so that's cool. enjoyable. I have a lot yeah. of fun doing that. Yeah. The, the 200, corporate uh gonna go on their website that one's not as much fun (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) i don't i don't enjoy that all right so how did seo is a whole different kind of conversation that we don't have time for um so you have like a 10 second basic (laughs) kind of thing that's helping you i guess maybe the best thing is how are you testing how do you know that your seo is working can is there something you can go do to validate it Well, the reason why I know it's working is because we always ask how they heard, how they found us, how they heard of us, whatever. And it's always, well, not always, but most of the time it's Google. I found you on Google. Uh Um, There are most web website companies. I know Squarespace has it. uh, WordPress has it there. They have analytics that you can actually look at and study and and measure and look at the the data from the analytics. And they'll, they'll show you, you know, how many people, Googled the term Columbus headshot photographer and right. clicked on your link because of that. So you can analyze that kind of stuff uh, on the back end of your website. Perfect. And one of the suggestions I'd give you is uh, open up whatever browser you like the best and go into uh, incognito mode or they have different names for it. But it's that mode where it's like not tracking any of your activity. And um, the reason to do that is that way it's not telling Google to use your profile because all of us have built up this profile with Google. And so the, the search results that you search for as you're in like the normal browser mode, it's going to be customized to you. And that's not a fair representation of someone who's not you doing the search. So if you go into that incognito mode and you do the search, now it's acting as if some, like it's someone that Google knows nothing about. And if you're going to show up first on that search, that's a really good test. It's a good way to be able to see that you are actually first in those results. And if you're not, now you can start checking out the ones who are ahead of you, see kind of what's, why they might be ahead of you by checking out their site, checking out kind of what keywords uh, are on their site, how they're, how they're getting it. And, uh, and then try to figure out how to change things so that you might be able to, to show up better. All right. Not, a, not an episode about SEO. <laughs> That's a big topic. Um, but uh, we have one more topic that we want to tackle that has nothing to do with headshots. Uh, kind of similar, I guess, though. But before we get there, we need to thank our sponsor for this episode. Turn your dream into a reality with Squarespace, just like most of us here at Master Photography. We love Squarespace, and that's because they make it easier than ever to launch your passion project. So whether you're looking to start a new photo business, showcase your portfolio, publish blog posts, sell products or prints, or whatever it is you want to do, Squarespace is the tool for you. They have beautiful templates that were created by world-class designers 
and you have the ability to customize those templates with just a few clicks, so you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. Squarespace also has a powerful e-commerce tool that lets you sell anything online, and they have analytics that will help you grow your site in real time. And the best part, in my opinion, is that everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, so you don't have to spend time building a second mobile website for SEO purposes. Buying domains through Squarespace is simple, and you'll get the help you need with Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support. So head on over to squarespace.com slash improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash improve offer code improve. All right. So for the remainder of the episode here, we have one more topic to tackle and it has to do with Brian, who's had a bug (laughs) bite him, I think, ever since out of Chicago. You've been doing a lot of light painting portraits, haven't you? I have. Yeah, it's been fun to kind of just experiment and play around. So um, it, it, for for the listeners, if they want to go see, we got a, he's got a couple of, of uh, examples that he's he's put on Facebook and Instagram. And I have the, the Instagram links in the show notes. So you can go click on those and take a look at the photos. Um, the the older one in his Instagram feed is his daughter. It, it, what a great you have. You're so lucky you have such a beautiful model to to put in your portrait <laughs> shots here. Um, she knows it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so she's in, in the older one. Uh, she's kind of I asked Erica, there's because Erica's a, a former dancer. What's the dance pose so that dancers would be able to understand it? But she said there's not really a name for it. So, well, it, it would kind of be like an arabesque, I guess. But an, an arabesque. Okay. And for those smaller. of you who aren't dancers, she's doing like a, you know, sideways dance freeze pose. <laughs> With her arms are out uh, kind of in both directions and she's got a, a it's a beautiful pose. And then behind her, it kind of looks like wings made of light. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool effect. And then even behind that is a, a nice background of a building and the whole thing is just very well put together and it's a pretty impressive photo. Then the, the more recent one, uh, same model and he's got a palm tree in the far background and then in between her and she's doing, I guess it's called the tree yoga pose. Um, behind her is light that looks like a bunch of fans, essentially really big, like huge fans, but fans kind of behind her again, a really cool effect. So, um, so we wanted to talk about Brian, kind of the technique behind this. How is it that you're getting these, the light painting in there? We talked, I think a couple episodes back, you, uh, you gave that as your dude out of the week was the light wand. So let's, we don't even worry about that. I don't think we've already talked about it, but kind of what's, how do you set this up for, for these photos are, uh, what, what ambient light conditions do you need? Where are you standing with the camera compared to your, your subject? How do you, is it on a, a tripod and then you're going behind yourself to do the light painting and what camera settings you have, all that kind of stuff. So walk us through how you set these up. Yeah. Well, first to correct you, it was not a light wand. Oh, okay. It, uh, <laughs> it was just a clear plastic tube with the flashlight at the end. Okay. <laughs> and it just, you go to Lowe's and you buy it. Uh, it's made to hold like a fluorescent light bulb. So really simple. But first, I also just want to put a disclaimer out there that I don't think I'm great at this. And I think it's not easy to do, at least not easy to do well. Um, Eric Paré, I believe is his name. He's Canadian. Uh, It's E-R-I-C-P-A-R-E is his last name. 
um, he's the one that does this and he's got great videos and tutorials for it. So definitely check him out. What makes his pictures stand out so much from others that I've seen is, uh, really the, the setting he's in these beautiful locations and you know, something unique. So if you uh, go to Instagram and you search the hashtag, uh, I think it's tube tribe. Uh, it brings up a lot of different examples that people have shot. So for me, I'm looking for something different, uh, something unique. And I kind of have two thoughts as I'm doing this. The first one is I want, I want locally to draw more attention to my photography. And so I'm going to be doing this around my city at some kind of like the highlight, highlighted features or buildings. And so the first one was just an old barn across from a golf course. And uh, my daughter and I just tried it there. And then the second one here, we were down in Florida and there was a palm tree. And I thought, okay, so this would be cool. So the setup for this is basically I find what I want for the background and thinking about as I wave this wand, basically I'm going to call it a wand even though it's not a wand. <laughs> See, um, it's a wand. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking, okay, what is this going to light up? And the palm tree picture, the palm tree lit up because at the end of the tube, I had it open. So the light kind of went through it a little bit. And as you wave the wand, you got to think about, you know, where the light's going to hit is going to be in the shot. So my camera is set up on a tripod and uh, typically the way Eric did it is he usually had the model facing the direction of the sunset because at, at the blue hour you know you you've got a nice sky and if you got some clouds and some color behind you you know that's like a bonus so i would set my uh, my camera up in the tripod have my daughter find her spot and i had her hold a wand and turn it on and wave it a little bit so that i could get my focus that i need and then um, we just, from there, just experiment a little bit, uh, during the blue hour, the shot with the palm tree was, uh, the ISO was 800, uh, at F11 for about five seconds. And I wanted to try to get some of the blue from the sky in there. And when I was doing the shot later, um, I did kind of a different shot with two, palm trees sticking up and but that picture is just on my Facebook Uh, the settings were different for that one because I was shooting in the direction of the sun and the sun had gone down more so that just kind of changed things a little bit but what's important about this I think is to have somebody who can be creative in their pose and my daughter is not the build of a dancer she's she's very tall and um, athletically built. So I feel like, and she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I don't have to worry about <laughs> her hearing me say this, but I feel like eventually I'm going to run out of possible poses with her. Um, you know, the tree pose was a fun one to do. We were by a palm tree. Mm-hmm. And as you are doing the long exposure and you're waving the light, you've got to think of the shape it's going to make. So what I like about this one is it kind of looks like a shell almost. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Sanibel Island is known for all their shells. And so that kind of was fitting for it. 
but it's just a lot of just experimenting and trying to find the right uh, shutter speed myself uh, i had to make sure that i was wearing black and moving because you don't want any of the light to get on you and so as long as you keep yourself moving and if you're wearing some dark clothes that kind of helps you to just be invisible and really not show up. So for this uh, light wand, the back of it has a big piece of black duct tape. So that way light doesn't leak on me. Ah. So the light was facing her. And one of the tips to, uh, to really help, I guess it's not a tip, but when we were, when we saw him or showing us how to do this at the out of Chicago conference, uh, you looked at the picture and you're like, okay, wait, when is he going to pop the flash? And he doesn't. What he does is just as he waves the wand, he kind of brings it in front of her just a little bit. And that puts enough light on her for her to look like she's sharp and in focus. Where to me, I've got to work on that. I need to do a better job of having my daughter be sharper in focus. And part of it is telling her, you know, she needs to hold her breath while we do this and just not move. Um, for eight seconds or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) which she can do i mean anyone should be able to hold their breath for eight seconds but also i think a lot just has to do with the planning you know the different outfits that you wear if you're wearing um, a wavy dress or if you're wearing like a tight leotard and you know there's just there's so many different options and you can be extremely creative with this that's just fun to experiment with and that's kind of the bug that I have is yeah. just trying to learn something new to me. Yeah, it makes me want to go do it. I want to grab. I have. I have a 11 year old daughter who would love to do this. So I need to go out and do that with her. She would thoroughly enjoy this. Uh, so well, I need to go buy that tube. Yeah, it's just a clear plastic tube for like four bucks, and then the flashlights kind of make a difference because it has to be the right size. And if you look at the two images, the one with the barn behind her is one flashlight that's flickering. And so as it flickers, it leaves that little separation. If you kept it on, it would look like one big smooth light. So if you look at the one with the palm tree, I have two lights or two flashlights in the tube. One light is on constantly and the other one flickers. So you can kind of see some texture in that one compared to the first one. Yeah, it's very cool. The way that you can get different effects there. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Eric Barry has tons of tutorials. And there's this really cool thing. A company hired him to come out and just demonstrate it. And they set up like 100 cameras, I think, in a circle and shot while he was doing it and so it makes it looks like this really cool video that just circles him and the model as he's lighting up it's really neat wow yeah i'm gonna go check that out i put a link in the show notes to uh to his site ericparade.com or i don't know how you pronounce it but (laughs) i'm literally stalking his instagram right now like (laughs) liking every single photo uh, it's so, beautiful. And he travels. He's all over the country. He's in deserts. He's in on the top of mountains. He's in rivers. He's in the salt flats. And to me, honestly, that's kind of like Nick Page. You know, I always say, Nick, your photos are good because you're in a beautiful environment. <laughs> now, granted, he does know what he's doing. Right, right. But that helps. <laughs> you know, 
I think you're right though, Brian, this is going to bring like mastering this, getting it so that you can really do this and do it well. And, uh, and then getting some other people in, in the portrait, uh, you know, other people modeling, um, this is going to bring you some, some notoriety in the area. You're, that's, I think it's a good way to try to advertise yourself and it's fun. It's a, it's a fun activity, something that you can get real excited about in photography. If, if you feel like you're in a rut, this is a great way to go try to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Like it. And it just helps you to better understand your camera and yeah. settings and long exposure. I mean, that's nothing new. You know, I know a lot of people do it at weddings. Erica, I'm sure has done one before. Erica, why don't you chime in and, and share about it? <laughs> I told you not to put me on the spot, Brian. <laughs> I told you I was going to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've done long, long exposure photography at weddings with sparklers. That that is a thing, or used to be a thing. I don't know. I haven't done it in a long time, but it's essentially the same concept. You have your couple positioned in a way that they can hold still for a while, and you use the sparkler to you know write words or create shapes yeah. or circle around them, however you want to do it, um, and you. Same settings, same same camera settings pretty much. You can pop a flash if you want or just use the ambient light. It's really the same exact thing, just a little bit different of a look with the sparklers because you get the little trails and sparkles that come off of the end of the sparkler. Well, and, and it lights the photographer more too. So... Yeah, or the person if they're if the the model of the subject of the photo is the one holding the sparkler, they're going to get lit by the back of the you know with the sparkler because they they go like three sixty, exactly. so yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's not quite as controlled as the the light wand <laughs> that I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's cool, it's really cool. I I did that couple uh, it was probably three or four years ago now, Fourth of July. Um, I'd never done that before, so I challenged myself like All right, I want to do a long exposure, and I told my kids write your name in cursive using the sparkler and and they loved that they got so excited like they'd write it and then they'd come back like oh i can write it better i can write it better we did it again and again Mm -hmm. and again it was really fun it was a very cool activity so to add to this i guess your original question asked me more of how i do it um one of the main things is having a remote trigger on me so that way i can start the photo do the wave of the wand and then stop the photo and I do a few back to back to back to back. Uh, and then I go and I look at them and make whatever adjustments I need to, um, try waving the light in a totally different pattern than what I had done before. Gotcha. Yeah. And if they don't have that, then you could do the, like the 10 second timer to start it. And that you're not gonna be able to change how long the exposure is. You might have to like count down in your head, but that's a way to do it if you don't have a remote trigger, but if you don't have a remote trigger, they're pretty cheap. They're pretty inexpensive to, to go get one. So, all right, that's, uh, that's great. I'm, I'm excited. I really need to do this. I want to go do it like tonight. <laughs> then go do it. Yeah, I need to, I need to do that. My, uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's move on to the, let's close up the show. It's been a, it's been a good show. I'm so glad you guys joined me. It's really fun to talk about, uh, technique. I, I love it. And we got some feedback a, a little bit ago that was like, tons of technology stuff which is just my it's my problem <laughs> it's it's what i it's what i live and breathe so i tend to think well, of those topics it helps me take a nap <laughs> that's right i've been putting brian asleep for like three weeks now so i was really glad I, 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 was, I refused <laughs> i refused to listen to the episode when i was singing you know oh. dancing queen or whatever 
And I, and I saw some comments that made me feel like it was a good thing that I didn't listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I know, I know I have a tendency for that. And I'm trying really hard to balance it. So I'm really glad we had an episode where we didn't talk technology. That's great. It's, it's, we need a balance. It, it, the technology has an impact, so we will talk about it. But uh, we have lots of other things we want to discuss, too. So this is great. Um, all right. Dude, add to the week. Let's go Erica first. Oh, pressure. Um, <laughs> okay. I was still on Instagram, like, still stalking that light. <laughs> you got to go check out his Instagram. So it's pretty switch cool. Switch over real quick. <laughs> I'm sitting here elbowing her saying, Erica, pay attention. <laughs> Okay, so my my doodad of the week is actually an app. It's called Unfold, and it it's just allows you to create really clean, minimalist layouts for Instagram stories. So I've recently become kind of obsessed with with Instagram stories and have been posting a lot and watching a lot of them. And the Unfold app allows you to kind of create collages and use text in a way that you can't do it organically in the Instagram app itself. So if you're looking for a way to um, maybe clean up your Instagram stories a little bit, you can check out the Unfold app and you have access to some of the layouts and collages for free. And then there are some that you can pay for as well. So um, if you don't want to spend any money, you don't have to. But I think I spent 99 cents and got an extra probably 10 options to choose from. So not super expensive, but allows you to get a little more creative than what you can do in the, in the Instagram app itself. And do you think it's helped draw attention to your uh your instagram account erica um oh that's a good question i don't i think that seeing it in a more professional way and in a cleaner way and actually having almost my own branding by using the app has really been helpful um it makes it look more polished it looks more professional Yes, that is it. Brian's pulling it up right now, like this one. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, maybe. And I've noticed that my views, you can see your views on Instagram stories. I've noticed that my views have almost quadrupled since I started using the app, which All is right. crazy. I don't know if it's a, a direct result of using that app, but something's happening to draw more eyes to it. So maybe it is that. All right. Good. Brian, what do you have? I bought a drone. Oh, you su- you succumbed. I did. Well, I've been waiting for the Mavic Pro 2 to come out. And I think that was supposed to come out like in April. And then they keep putting it off and putting it off. And then on the 16th, they were having this a big announcement. And the announcement was something like they weren't ready yet. And so I have a client that needed some shots this week from up above and I didn't want to lose that. So I bought myself a DJI Mavic air and got the shots that I needed and I've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. That's cool. Expensive, but a fun doodad. If that counts as a doodad. I, oh, absolutely. I do too. I really want it, but boy, there's so many other well, things I need when, first. When the pro, two comes out i will sell it to one of you guys <laughs> oh boy that's gonna be hard to get past the finance committee here at the Harmon house <laughs> well okay so here's here's the thing about the drone and i'm sure everyone else has always talked about this but i haven't been listening on purpose because i couldn't have one at the time right but uh, the battery life is horrible yeah 
I have three batteries. Each battery only lasts you like 22 minutes. Oh my gosh. And so by the time you get up and kind of get what you need, you got to come right back down right away. Yeah. So I look forward to the day that the battery lasts forever. Yes. Someday. Maybe we'll live to see it. I don't know. It feels like that technology (laughs) is moving at a snail's pace, but (laughs) hopefully they'll have a breakthrough. That would be awesome. Speaking of batteries... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, okay. So speaking of batteries, uh, that's my dude out of the week. So also from the Facebook group, um, we, we, someone asked a question about uh, rechargeable batteries. And uh, I wanted to point everyone to a, a really good resource that you can go and read. So Brian Pex, a good friend of the show, uh, he did a head-to-head real-world test of a lot of AA rechargeable battery brands. Um, and specifically, because he could test it quickly, was how many full-powered flash pops could he get per fully charged brand? So he charged every one of them up for the time they said they needed to be charged. And then he put them in the flash and he popped it until they, it wouldn't pop anymore. And he counted how many that was. And, uh, and so what came out on top was Duracell. They had the best, uh, I guess, total number of flash pops that you could get out of it per charge that he, he tested it out. And I'll put a link in the show notes to his test. Uh, so you can get uh, a pack of four of these long life, they call them long life ion core because ion core sounds so cool. So I'm sure that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's, that's gotta be there. And uh, so 13 bucks for four of them, um, very close second in the test. So it wasn't uh, by a huge margin, but the close second was the one I've heard so many photographers recommend. That's the Eneloop batteries from Panasonic. And uh, so they're, they run about 30 bucks for four. So they're about almost they have a little more than twice as much. And the Duracell, at least for the pops, number of pops that you get was better. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and, and led me to go, I stocked up on the Duracell batteries and I've been real happy with them. They've lasted a long time. It's been more than a year and, uh, they still last way through all my shoots. Uh, uh, like the basketball team shoots that I do, I'm, I'm two hours of doing flashes and it's, they, I don't have to change the batteries. So it's great. Um, the, another option there though, I've heard about this a, a little while ago. Um, you can get what people believe to be exactly the same in loop batteries for way cheaper at Ikea. It <laughs> seems really weird, but they have, uh, they call them Lada. I, I don't know. It's probably a Swedish thing of some kind that I'm slaughtering. Uh, what'd you say, Brian? ABBA dancing queen. No, no, not, not. I, I, I know you keep like wanting to go back to ABBA, but no, this is Lada L a D D a. Um, and it's the 2450. They have a couple of different models. It's the one with the higher number, the 2450 batteries from Ikea. They're only seven bucks for a four pack. So they're That's even crazy. cheaper than the Duracell and people are pretty convinced that it's exactly the same battery from the same plant, same manufacturer. It's just the difference is they put the Swedish label on that says Lada versus uh, loop. So, mm-hmm. so very cool. If you have one around you, the problem is if you don't have an Ikea near you, it's like $29 for shipping. So, so that blows it out right there. If you have to try to order them without, I mean, if you have other stuff you're going to order, I, I assume you can add them in and, and then the shipping will just be uh, a, a not too bad because you have the other stuff that you've ordered. But if you have one nearby and you go to Ikea, then seven bucks, you can get some, some really good double a rechargeable batteries. So there's my doodad. All right. That's a good one. Hey, I want to, I want to end really quick with 
a trivia question. Oh, <laughs> and I'm going to ask you and see if you can get it. How many episodes of our podcast, whether it's improved photography or master photography, whatever, how many episodes have both Brian and Erica been on at the same time? Is the answer zero? Because I'm guessing that's the answer. No, <laughs> because we were on one with oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the whole <laughs> the whole gang and Jim. So we had that right. one. So okay. There's this one. There was that one, and then us sitting together in China. China. And then I think only one other time for thoughts on photography. All right. That's it. I think so. Wow. Yeah. Very rare. So if you're listening to this, consider yourself experiencing something special, a special moment. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a good one. I, I liked it. I like this episode a lot. I, I think we're going to get a lot of positive feedback on it. People like it when we talk about technique. Um, so that's good. All right. Good. We're going to close up the show. I'm going to give you the, the reminders. Master Photography Podcast. We've mentioned the show notes a lot through the show. You're going to want all those links. And they're there masterphotographypodcast.com some some of the podcatchers the the apps that you use on your phone or your tablet will have the show notes kind of in there but usually they kind of destroy them so you'll want to go to the website that'll be the best place to get them masterphotographypodcast.com facebook group we've mentioned it a few times too you search for master photography podcast or there's a link in the show notes and uh, we'd love to have you there but you do have to ask to join we got to keep the spammers and the bots out of there so you have to answer such a tough question about naming name the uh, host on the on the network so uh brian or erica or jeff from this episode will work great or any of the other hosts and even some of the guests if you can name a guest that'll work too so we'll let you in that way we know you're a listener we only want listeners that are in there so uh so that's why the question's there brian where can people find you currently in columbus ohio <laughs> very but, uh, nice. in my kitchen <laughs> yeah <laughs> Poor Antonio. Antonio, Erica's husband, is like kicked out. He's in the backyard with the dog while we're doing this. Vanished. <laughs> uh, on Instagram, it's just at Brian McGuckin. My Facebook, I think, is Brian McGuckin Photography. And my website is just BrianMcGuckin.com. Okay. And McGuckin's M-C-G-U-C-K-I-N. In case correct. people are challenged. And Brian with an I. Brian with an that's I. The Let's see, that's the right way to spell it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Erica, what about you? Where people find your work? Well, people can check out my website, which is ericakphotography.com. That's E-R-I-C-A-K-A-Y photography.com. And then on Facebook and Instagram, I'm just at Erica K Photography. And then also, obviously, Portrait Session Podcast. So if you're into portrait photography, be sure to check that out. Portrait Session Podcast. Com. Excellent. I bet you they talk a lot about headshots on that. I'll bet they we do. We do. Yeah. So if you want way more detail than we just went into here, go uh, go check out that, that podcast. Uh, all right. So for me, uh, jsharmanphotos.com uh, is our website. You can find my other show, phototacopodcast.com, where I, I really go deep into the tech. So, Brian, you don't, you don't care about that one. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, you can subscribe there, uh, phototacopodcast.com. Um, Facebook, I'm Harmon Jeff. Uh, and that's H-A-R-M-O-N, Jeff. On Twitter, I'm Harmon underscore Jeff because someone beat me to it. And then on Instagram, <laughs> I'm Harmon Jeff. So there you go. There's, uh, there's where you can get to all of us. And of course, links to everything, all of that are in the show notes. So go head over to masterphotographypodcast.com. 
All right. Thank you so much, Brian and Erica. I had a blast. It's so fun to talk to you guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Absolutely. And listeners, we will see you again in another seven days.